Well, once again, good morning and happy Mother's Day. So glad that you are here with us today. You know, I know on a day like today, this is a day that is um, a, a day that we celebrate our moms. Um, but if, as I indicated earlier, if our moms have already gone to heaven, then, then we celebrate them, don't we? So we celebrate our moms that are with us, and we celebrate our moms that are in heaven today. You know, a group of second graders um, were asked a series of questions about their mothers. And the first little child was asked, why did God make mothers? And this is how the child responded, mostly to clean the house and to help us out of their bellies when we were getting born. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? It's the second question. And the little child said, we're related and God knew she would like me a lot more than my friend's moms like me. Why did your mom marry your dad? Child responded, she got too old to do anything else. And my grandma says that my mom didn't have her thinking cap on. Who is the boss of your house? I guess mom is but only because she does a lot more than my dad. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't have spare time. And the final question was this, what would it take to make your mom perfect? One child said, on the inside, she's already perfect. Aw. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. Wow, you know that kid didn't win many points around the house. Being a mother is an awesome responsibility, but it's also a difficult job, isn't it? You know, I think back to my mom, and, and I watch my wife every day as she helps to raise our children, and I know that it is a difficult job. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 together, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 3, where we'll look at verses 12 through 17 together. So 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 5, and then 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17. This is what we read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy." In verse 5 we read, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And then verses 12 through 17 of chapter 3, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete 
equipped for every good work. You know what mothers are? Mothers are a gift from God. Mothers, you are indeed a gift from God. Have you ever thought about all of the different um, hats that a mother wears? You know, I was thinking um, as I was preparing um, this week um, about all of the different caps that my wife wears and all the different caps that my mom wore as I was um, being raised and as, as we raise our children. But here are a few job titles our moms have. They are nurse. They are chefs. They are taxi drivers. They are counselors. They are teachers. They are coaches. They are advocates. They are bank tellers. They are maids. They are evangelists. Many of you, the first introduction that you received about Jesus came from your mothers. They are peacemakers. They are entertainers. They are friends. They are encouragers. They are motivators. They are visionaries. They are our mothers and they are our wives. Notice point number one this morning is this. Godly mothers pass on the faith. Timothy did not only have a godly mentor in his life in Paul, but he also had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. In verse 5, again, we read these words, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. The first thing we see in verse 5 is this. We see Timothy's faith. Paul was reminded of Timothy's faith. Timothy was a man of God, he had been set apart unto salvation, and he was being used of the Lord on a daily basis to impact lives. He had become a driving force within the salvation of others, and he would continue to be that. Where did Timothy learn first about Jesus? Well, according to what we read here, he learned first from his mother and from his grandmother. They were the first ones to instill the Word of God into him. They were the first ones to lay the foundation of God's Word upon his life. You know, I am grateful for the moms that are in this room. I'm grateful for how you invest and have invested the Word of God into your children as well as into your grandchildren. And let me encourage you to continue to do that. This past week, I was texting with a gentleman that I have been investing in now for a number of years. And he, he's a gentleman that has experienced great highs in his life as well as incredible lows. And, and as he was texting me this week, he began basically by saying that um, his, his girlfriend was pregnant. And, and we went back and forth a little bit there. But as we were texting him, I asked him, I said, will your child be raised as a Christian child or as a Mormon child? His wife or his girlfriend is a Mormon, and he is a wayward Christian, I, I guess you would say. And his response to me was this. He said, I am going to let my child decide. 
I will take him to church with me sometimes, and then I will let him go with his mom to church sometimes as well. But he goes, ultimately, it will be up to the child to decide what church that he's going to be a part of. You know, I balked at that immediately, and I told him that when he became a Christ follower, when he surrendered his life over to Jesus Christ and made Jesus Lord and Savior of his life, he made a commitment that he was going to raise his child to follow after the, the, the God's Word. I mean, that was a commitment that he made. When he surrendered over to the Lordship, just like all of us in this room who are Christians in this room, when we surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, we surrendered that we were going to be obedient to the God, God's Word, and we went back and forth again. But the Lord instructs us as parents to invest the Word of God into our children. We do not draw our kids unto salvation, okay? But we certainly play a critical role in their introduction to who God is and who Christ is and what the work of the Holy Spirit does within our lives. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we're going to get together in the coming weeks, and I'm going to talk with him a little bit more, but we have a responsibility as mothers and as fathers, as grandmothers and grandfathers, to invest the Word of God into our children. This past week, um, someone showed up here in our offices, and um, they showed us a video, okay? Um, this was a video of their two-year-old grandchild. And, and the, bio, uh, the video begins, the child has the... Um, I believe it was a Bible or it was a study guide or a book or something in, in their lap. And, and the child is leading family Bible study, okay? And, and the child is, and I'll tell you, I couldn't understand a word that child was saying. Okay, he was pointing and he was saying, I, I, I would get like a mama and a daddy and a bubba. And then all of a sudden the mom asked the question of who or what did Jesus do for you? And immediately I understood every word that child said. And the child began to point and said, Jesus died for Bubba. Jesus died for, for Mama. Jesus died for Daddy. And Jesus died for me. You know, I, I was thinking about these two different stories because both of these stories were shared with me on the same day. And what a difference between two families. Okay, here we have the first family that's going to just kind of let their child find God on their own. And then we have this second family who's raising their children as God would have them to raise their children and instilling the Word of God into their lives as a young child. How did that, that two-year-old learn who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for them? Because their mom and dad and grandma and grandpa began to sow the Word of God into their life at a young age. Now, they're not going to be the ones that draw their grandkids and their children unto salvation, just like you never did that with your children. But they certainly can lay the foundation of God's Word upon their lives and upon their hearts. Am I right? You and I have an incredible opportunity to, to shape our children's view of who God is and who Christ is and what their role is in this world. Moms continue to be faithful in that area. Timothy's faith was influenced by his mother and his grandmother. Again, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, 
a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You see what happens within this passage. There is a picture of transference, a picture of faith being passed down from one generation to the next generation. There is no greater joy in my life than knowing that my children are followers of Jesus Christ, that they have surrendered their lives over to Jesus, that they repented of their sins, and they cried out to Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. There is no greater joy in my life and I know in my wife's life than knowing that our children know Jesus. This, the Word was invested into us, into my wife and I, and we've had the opportunity to invest it into our children, just like every one of us in this room. We have the opportunity on a daily basis to invest the Word of God into the lives of our children, our grandchildren, and those that we do life with. That's what Timothy's mom and grandmother did. They were the driving influence in his life. Know this, making a deposit of the Word of God into the lives of our children and into the lives of others is never a wasted opportunity. It is never a wasted effort. In Isaiah 55, 11, we read these words, so shall my word that comes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing from which I sent it. God's word will never return void. God's word will always it will always be received into the life of the individual. Now, whether that word takes root or not depends greatly upon that individual, but God's word is living and active, and it will be received. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I came across an illustration that, that W.A. Criswell shared um, many years ago, but he shared about a time that he visited the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. He said, I went there because it was the place where Billy Sunday was converted. Billy Sunday, if you don't know who he was, um, he was a professional baseball player who played for the Chicago White Sox. And before he became a Christ follower, he was a very worldly man. He was, he was a drunkard. And he was just, uh, I mean, he was just, he had a really um, um, dark background before Christ, but he ended up accepting Christ at this particular mission. And Dr. Crystal went there to visit it and just to see the kind of influence that it had upon Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday would become one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. He'd be used of the Lord to see countless numbers of people across this world come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But Dr. Criswell said that when he went into that mess, uh, mission, he saw um, to the right of the pulpit, he saw the, the words to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He saw those words tattooed upon that wall. And then on the left side of that wall, he saw the words, have you called your mother today? And Dr. Criswell said, you know, I was really confused about what that meant at the time. But then I began to think that this mission caters to the homeless. 
And he said, every day, countless numbers of homeless people come into that place. And they're introduced to the salvation of who Christ is on one wall. And they're reminded of the influence upon their mother in the other, on the other wall. You know, who is it that has instilled the Word of God into us probably the most effective way? Probably our mothers, right? You know, if you had a godly mother, some of you didn't have a godly mother, okay? You, the, the Word of God was invested in your life um, by a preacher, a friend, uh, a, an acquaintance, or, or something like that. But just by the way, um, showing of hands, how many of you... Um, how many of your moms were a greater influence upon your life when it came to God's Word than your fathers were? Raise your hand. Most of us in this room probably would, would, would agree with that. And so Dr. Criswell, whenever he saw those things, he thought, man, um, if these men and women would just call home, they would be reminded by their godly mothers of who Christ was. Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who had a godly mother. He went on to say, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my mother. Notice next, godly mothers pass on the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, we read these words. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. And I have firmly believed, knowing from from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is telling Timothy here? He is telling Timothy to remember upon which the foundation of the Word of God first began in your life. And he's reaching back to that moment where the Word of God was instilled and written upon his heart by his mom and by his grandmother. Think about the, um, the, the, the building blocks that have been um, established in our lives by our godly mothers and our godly grandmothers. You know, many of you indicated second ago, that your mothers first introduced you to who Jesus is, or they were critical in you coming to know who Jesus Christ is. And so that's a building block that was first started in your life by your mothers. They read the Word of God to you, didn't they? I know, I remember, um, you know, when our children were real young, we had the, um, the picture Bible where it had all the major stories of the Bible in it. And, and I remember my wife sitting down with our children and reading from that Bible to our kids. And obviously she graduated and went to a, a different Bible as well, um, one that didn't have as many pictures in it. But, you know, who else um, do our children learn to pray from? I mean, our, our parents, um, our mothers, teach us to pray. A godly mother is a praying mother. There is a picture that we get from our moms of what unconditional love looks like, right? You know, um, dads aren't quite as grace-giving as moms are, right? We kind of have a tendency to hold a grudge a little bit longer probably than mom does. moms do. They're, they're a little bit quicker to forget, Okay, I know my wife is than, than I am. Um, moms are also some of our greatest advocates. I mean, they fight for their 
children. It's kind of one of those deals. If you lay your finger on my kid, I'm going to lay my fingers on you. That's kind of what moms do. They're our advocates. They are teachers, right? They not only teach the Word of God, but in a lot of areas, they also help teach um, reading and arithmetic and English and different subjects. They are motivators. Um, you know, you know, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. I mean, that's pretty, that's kind of um, mama's, um, you know, they, they're the ones that coined that phrase, I believe. Um, they're generous as well. They're generous with their time and their talents and their treasures. They're quick to forgive and forget. Um, and, you know, I think we're about to lose that, so we'll stop there. But, you know, moms, you could go on and on about the different attributes that they demonstrate that come from God's Word. They're kind, they're merciful, they're servants. Here's a reality. Um, most of our mothers have done a better job of instilling the Word of God in us than fathers did. Mothers, let me encourage you, grow in the Word. Never neglect your own personal walk with the Lord. Don't neglect it for your husbands. Don't neglect it for your children or your church or your work or anyone else. There is nothing more important in your life than you growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Your family is important, but God is more important. And spending time with Him is most important. If we neglect our time with the Lord, then we will fail at weaving the word of the Lord into the lives of our children and into the lives of our grandchildren. And as you grow in the word, be faithful to teach the word. In verse 16, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so what Paul is telling Timothy here is these are the things that you have learned from your mom. These are the things that you learned from your grandmother. These are the things that you learned from me. Continue to build upon these things in your own life and teach these things as you lead the church at Ephesus and as you invest the word into other people. In the book of Hebrews, we read these words. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and a marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This word is not dead. It is not a novel written by lifeless people. It is alive, it is living, it is powerful, and our powerful God has given it to us for our instruction, right? And I shared this with you um, a couple of years ago as we walked through a, a Bible study called um, The Word. That And I came across this, that the Word of God is more than just ink on a page, isn't it? It's the very breath of God from a page. This is the very breath of God. It is living. It is active. It, is not, um, it's, it doesn't apply to yesteryears. It applies to our life today just as much as it did the day that it was pen, penned by the apostles and by the writers of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. God's Word is breathed out by God. What does it mean that the, breath, that the Word of God is breathed out by God? I came across this illustration. It said, human beings speak 
speak with their mouths, as their breath moves across their vocal cords, causing the, the cords to vibrate and produce sounds that are formed into letters and words by our lips, tongues, and teeth. There is a breathing out that has to take place for speech. And understanding this reality helps us to understand Paul's point in today's message. Scripture he tells us, results from God's breathing out in speech. That is rather a clear way of saying that Scripture is the very speech of God. It is His very Word. This Word has been given to us. It has been breathed out by God. It is the spoken Word of God, and it changes lives. We are told here by Paul that God's Word is profitable for teaching. This word profitable means useful, helpful, advantageous. Everything that comes out from the Word of God increases. It does not decrease. The Word of God will make you a better mom. It'll make you a better dad. It'll make you a better child. It will make you a better boss. It'll make you a better church member. It will make all of us better. Am I right? That's what God's Word does. And remember, I've shared this before, but when we hear the Word, it gets into our head. When we discover the Word, it gets into our heart. When we apply the Word, it gets into our hands. This Word changes us, and it changes the lives of those that we do life with. Notice also that we are to treasure the Word. Okay, we are to treasure the Word. How do we treasure the Word and treasure our children at the same time? We teach them that the Word of God is powerful and that it is profitable and that it is profitable for reproof and it is profitable as well for correction. No one likes to be reprimanded, right? How many of you like to be reprimanded or corrected in this room? None of us do, right? We don't like that. Why? Because it's in our nature that we, that we are opposed to people correcting us. But sometimes it is necessary, right? Sometimes God corrects us. Sometimes God reproofs us. What, 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 I mean, we don't have a God, okay, that when we do something wrong, He doesn't send us to our rooms or, 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 or to the corner. Am I right? God doesn't correct us by grounding us. He corrects us by showing us a better way and by showing us His way. You know what His way is? It's found right here in this Word. John 14, 6, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. God's Word shows us the way to Jesus. God's Word shows us the way in which we are to live our lives. What does God's Word also do? It trains us in the area of righteousness. What does this word righteousness mean? It means to be in right standing with God. God's Word teaches us how we can be in right standing with God the Father. Where do you stand today with your Heavenly Father? Are you in right standing with Him? Is there something in your life that is out of, out of kilter? Is there a sin habit in your life that, man, you've been kind of going down this road for a long time and you recognize, man, I need to go from here and I need to get back on the right track? Well, you know what God's Word does? God's Word helps us when we go down the wrong path to get back on the right path. God's Word always points us back to Jesus. That's why we need to study God's Word and apply God's Word to our daily life. 
Notice finally this morning, godly mothers pass on their work. In verse 17, we read that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Word of God makes you and I complete, and it can make those we do life with complete as well. On this Mother's Day, let us praise our mothers for their love for the Lord and their love for us, their love for His church, and their love for those that they do life with. Let us thank them for the tireless work they do. Mothers, continue to fight for your kids and your husbands and those you do life with. You know, God has given us our mothers. Man, there's just something about a mother that's different than a father, right? Man, they're, they're nurturing, they're loving, and they're encouraging. Let's be those kind of people to our children. In Proverbs 18.22, we read these words. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And then in Proverbs 31, we get this beautiful picture of what a godly mom and a godly wife looks like. And I'm going to read um, verses 10 and 11, then I'm going to drop down to verse 26. But these are the words that Solomon penned many years ago. He said, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 26, we read, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Moms and dads, continue to invest the Word of God into the life of your children. We get one chance to get this right, don't we? We get this one chance to get this parenting thing right, to get this grandparenting thing right, to get this great-grandparenting thing right. And there may be some in here that have great-great-grandchildren, and so you get one chance to get this great-great-grandparenting thing right. Let's be faithful in the Word so that we can be faithful to teach the Word. You know, when I think about a godly mother and a godly wife, and, and the investment they make upon their family. I think about this. You know, the first picture of a minister of the gospel that our kids see is the mother, right? Think about that. First picture of a minister of the gospel, which all of us have been called to be, but they see it probably first in their moms than they do in anyone else. Mothers, be mighty influencers upon your children and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and so on, and so on. You may be here this morning, and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, 
you do not know where you would spend eternity. And I want you to know now that there is, is, is no, nothing more that God wants from you today than you. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know what God did for you? He sent His Son to die for you. And there's no greater way for you to experience God's love than receiving His Son into your life. And to receive Christ into your life, you've got to repent of your sins. And all of us are sinners. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But by what Jesus did for us, we can receive eternal life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, God's word is abundantly clear that we shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church a while, and the Lord is, is leading you to make friendship, Baptist church or church home, and we welcome you to do that. During this time of invitation, you also may need to just pray. You, need to, you may need to pray as a, as a child and just realize, you know, my mom's done a lot for me. It's time for me to, to, to be a little bit more grateful for her love for me. You may be um, a mom in this room and you, you realize, man, I could do a better job than what I'm doing right now. Our grandmother or grandfather or dad or whatever. And during this time of invitation, you may need to just pray. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. But let's, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our mamas. Thank you for our wives. Lord, thank you for our, our grandmothers and grandfathers. Lord, thank you for those that have invested the Word of God into our lives, who have breathed your Word into us and help disciple us and equip us. Father, all of this has been done in our lives so that we can learn how to do it into the lives of others. So, Father, as we have been made into disciples, help us to become disciple makers. Help us to be influencers within our children's life and our grandchildren's lives and the lives of those that we do life with. Father, Lord, I pray now that during this time of invitation, if there's someone here that does not have a relationship with you, that you'll draw them unto salvation. There may be some here this morning, Lord, that, that, um, that have been running from you for a while. And Lord, it's time that they come home. Father, it's time that they surrender their lives back over to you and admit, man, I've been a wayward child. It's time that I get serious about my relationship with the Lord. Father, there may be some here this morning that have been visiting this church a while and you're leading them to make friendship their church home and we welcome them, Father. Just move now during this time of invitation. First, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Christ, you come. If you need to come and just kneel at this altar and pray, you come. I don't know what decision you need to make, but you come and, 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 and until you come or that person around you needs to come. Let's just bow our heads for a moment and let's just spend a moment just praying together. But you come if there's a decision you need to make. You come.